Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, if the eyes of Texas were upon the ball, maybe the Longhorns might be headed to Omaha. Hey, instead, it's tree in a row for Stanford as the Cardinals are headed to the Men's College World Series for the third straight year. An event so big, we had to bring you a special edition of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Great to have you with us Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. Hey there, hi there, ho there. I know it's been a long, long time since we talked, stretching back to our last episode when we had a one-on-one with new Stanford football head coach Troy Taylor back in early February. But we are here now, and we are talking Stanford baseball as the Cardinal got on the plane Wednesday morning, and they are heading back to Omaha once again for the Men's College World Series. Great to have you with us. I'm Troy Clarity, host of this show. We've been doing this since 2015. We've been on the Believe Network since 2020. We are the go-to podcast for Stanford fans. Nobody else owns coverage of Stanford Athletics in the podcast space like we do right here on the TreeCast. Need proof? Okay, stick around for the next few minutes and for this episode as we talk Stanford baseball. We are going to talk with the Kathy Wolf assistant coach for Stanford baseball who's in charge of pitching and recruiting, Thomas Eager. Look, you don't make big runs in the postseason unless you have the pitching to back it up. And certainly pitching has been a subplot for the Stanford Cardinal not only this entire season, but certainly throughout the regionals and the super regionals. How does Thomas Eager know which buttons to push when the Cardinal get in an elimination bracket situation? And what did he make of Quinn Matthews throwing 156 pitches the other night? We'll talk about those things and much more with Thomas Eager. Really looking forward to uh, having that chat with him. Once again, I'm Troy Clarity. In case we're just now meeting each other, Great to have you with us. I have been following Stanford sports since, well, I won't give you the exact year. It's been 30 years almost. (laughs) You do the math on that. But uh, also just finished by a ninth season of Pac-12 Network play-by-play across 10 different sports. And last fall was my first season calling national radio for the NFL and major college football on Compass Media Network. So a real, real pleasure to be able to work with those outlets as well as covering Stanford sports and calling Stanford Athletics live streams. Certainly spent a lot of my time this winter and spring at Sunken Diamond watching Stanford baseball. So it's been a real pleasure to uh, watch this team work, especially when you consider where things were three years ago as the team did leave for Omaha on Wednesday morning to embark on their third straight trip to the Men's College World Series. But seeing the photos come in from from the squad leaving for Omaha Wednesday morning kind of took me back to where this program was three years ago. And after it had finished 5-11 in the 2020 season, David Esker, the Cardinal head coach, jumped on the tree cast with me in May of 2020. And during part of his conversation, he dropped this on. I don't go on a lit on a limb very often, but I, I do believe that, that the personnel we'll have in our program will compete for a national championship at some point. It's David Esker, Cardinal head coach on the TreeCast, May of 2020. Well, what's happened since then? Omaha in 2021, 
Omaha in 2022 and Omaha in 2023. Incredible. And again, he was saying that just, just a few weeks removed from seeing his team start off 5-11 and in that truncated 2020 season. But awesome to see where things have gone between then and now. We'll get you three things you need to know about Stanford baseball as it begins its quest for its first national championship in baseball since 1988. But first, a reminder that Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports as Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs, from basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, and you'll receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Three things you need to know from Stanford's road to the postseason and what's ahead for the Cardinal. Let's begin with number one. And what, what, what do we call the, the play that sent Stanford back to the Men's College World Series and ended that incredibly dramatic super regional against the Texas Longhorns? What do we call that play? The, 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 the Bowser Bloop? Blinded by the light? Whatever you might call it, here's how Mike Monaco called it on ESPN. One one to Bowser. Bowser skies this one. And they don't spot it. Kennedy looking for it, and it drops. Stanford wins. And is going to Omaha. Mike Monaco on ESPN. Kyle Peterson, the former Stanford pitcher, the color analyst for that Super Regional Series. The Stanford won that game 7-6, to six, and that play will live forever for Stanford and for Texas, too. Uh, it was just a camper of just a dramatic game that saw Stanford get thrown out on the base pass a couple of times. Look, hats off to the Texas right fielder for that absolute dart that got Saborn Campbell at third base. Very Braden Montgomery-like. And what looked like a potential walk-off home run for Alberto Rios ended up being one of the most wildly celebrated non-run scoring doubles of all time as that ball just ended up hitting the base of the wall. It looked like it was gone when it left his bat, but it's cool. Rios ended up scoring the game winner on Bowser's single, and then everyone could celebrate for real. For Texas, just an awful way, not just to, to lose a game, but to, to end your season on. But quite honestly, I look at it like this. Remember how Stanford's season ended two years ago? That wild pitch in the College World Series in Omaha that put Vandy in the National Championship Series instead of Stanford? Remember that two years ago and how the Cardinals' season ended? Maybe Monday's outcome and that finish is just the baseball universe recentering itself a bit. That's how I'm looking at it. Let's move on to number two. And it was a team effort for Stanford in the regionals and the Supers. Make no mistake about it. Drew Bowser with big hits. Uh, Pac-12 Player of the Year, Alberto Rios. Tommy Troy. Uh, Malcolm Moore, the freshman catcher. Eddie Park. Saborn Camel and Timo, Timo Becerra with big plays and big hits along the way. Nick Dugan, Drew Dow, Joey Dixon all having big moments on the mound too. But one Cardinal student athlete took top billing. Quinn Matthews. Lefty senior from Aliso Viejo, 
Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year. Threw seven innings, struck out seven over 114 pitches in the regional opening win over San Jose State. Three days later, he came out of the bullpen, threw four scoreless innings and 66 pitches, and got the win as Stanford knocked out Texas A&M in the regional final. But after Stanford blew a three-run ninth-inning lead and lost to Texas in Game 1 of the Supers, Matthews restored order in historic fashion in Game 2. He went the distance, he struck out 16, and he got the win. That's all impressive enough in and by itself, but the bigger headline was Quinn's pitch count, 156! After the game, Quinn told ESPN what happened when pitching coach Thomas Eager came out to the mound after Quinn had given up a hit in the ninth. Uh, he goes, let's have an adult conversation. I said, I'm getting this kid out. <laughs> and again, pretty pretty stirring conversation there. But, I mean, they gave me the leeway there. I knew that it was my last hitter of the game. I didn't know what my pitch count was at. But, like I said, I knew I wanted the rock. And, I mean, at least give the bullpen a shot tomorrow, and we'll be ready to go. That's Quinn Matthews talking to ESPN. We'll hear Thomas Eager's thoughts on all this in a few minutes, by the way. But 156 pitches. That brought me back to Jason Young and what he did in the 1999 College World Series for Stanford when he threw 167 pitches in a no decision result. No major league pitcher has thrown more than 135 pitches in the game since Tim Lincecum uh, back in 2013. And only two major league pitchers have thrown 150 plus pitches in the game since 2000. Incredible stuff. So, Here's what Matthews has done so far this postseason. Three appearances, two starts, went 3-0 in those three appearances, four walks, 28 strikeouts, 336 pitches. All of that in 20 innings of work. Incredible stuff. And against Texas, he saved the bullpen, which couldn't hold the lead the day before, and he saved the season. And oh, by the way, before his start against San Jose State in the regionals, he did a class presentation where 70% of his final grade before coming to Sunken Diamond to pitch that afternoon. And after his season-saving night against Texas A&M in the regional final, he went home and wrote a paper. Only at Stanford, folks. Only at Stanford. Let's wrap up three things with number three. Well, what's ahead for the Cardinal now that they are in Omaha and in the field in the 2023 Men's College World Series? Well, up first, the number one overall seed in Wake Forest, who just curb-stomped everybody this postseason. They made quick work of George Mason in Maryland in the regionals. Then they rolled Alabama in the Supers. Their run differential in five games so far this postseason, plus 59. That's insane. Demon Deacons are 52-10 and 10 on the year. Brock Wilkins has hit 30 home runs this season. And their team ERA is 2.84. Not bad. Filling out Stanford's side of the bracket are two SEC teams, Tennessee and five-seed LSU. I'm not going to lie. Seeing Stanford in the same College World Series bracket as LSU still gives me nightmares from 1997. Oh, my God. Those dudes could mash. And they beat up on Stanford twice that season en route uh, to a national championship that year uh, for the LSU Tigers. I'm sure Kyle Peterson has some thoughts on that as well. This year's LSU team is 5-0 so far this postseason. They beat Oregon State twice to win the Baton Rouge Regional, then thumped Kentucky in two games in the Supers. Meanwhile, Tennessee won the Clemson Regional. They knocked out the host Tigers in 14 innings along the way, then survived Southern Miss in the Supers. That went three games. 
Mother Nature also wreaked havoc on that uh, on that Super Regional as well. So it's a tough bracket, and, and, and a lot of folks will say, oh, oh, Stanford has to play a juggernaut in Wake Forest and two SEC teams. And yeah, that's true. But I would look at it like this. I'd say, ooh, those teams have got to play Stanford. Not going to be easy for any of those four teams on that side of the bracket. Should be fun. Begins with Stanford versus Wake Forest. We, at least the Cardinals trip uh, to Omaha begins on Saturday. First pitch at 11 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Central time against Wake Forest. Those are three things. We'll chat with Kathy Wolf, assistant coach for Stanford baseball, Thomas Eager. Much of the conversation would be focused on pitching, and rightfully so. We'll talk to Thomas here starting in a couple minutes. But first, I got to give a couple of shout outs across Stanford sports. Uh, big shout out to Rose Zhang, won an NCAA Division I individual title in women's golf, her second in her Cardinal career, then turned around a couple weeks later and won her pro debut at the Mizuho Americas Open. First LPGA player to win her pro debut in 72 years. Big stuff from Rose. Shout out to her. And a shout out to Stanford softball. Look, if you haven't watched or paid attention to college softball, especially Pac-12 softball, you really should. That is a fantastic and fun product. It is so incredible to be part of calling those games and covering uh, that sport. Stanford softball. Shout out to them. The Cardinal making it to Oklahoma City for the first time in 19 years, making the Final Four in the Women's College World Series, taking Oklahoma to the limit in both games against the Sooners, who, of course, eventually won the national championship. That's a great team, folks, but Stanford gave them all they could handle. And the Cardinal made a lot of their fans and certainly their alums happy. Nigeria candidate. Holy smoke. <laughs> Ooh-wee. And we got more years of her on the farm? Elena Vodder was also a terrific pitcher for the Cardinal this year as well. So shout-outs to Rose Zhang and to Stanford Softball for fantastic seasons and fantastic feats along the way. Oh, by the way, pretty cool to see Stanford winning the Director's Cup again. That's 26 of the last 29, right? Not bad. Not bad. Shout-outs across all Stanford sports for another fantastic season so far. And it's not done yet. Well, here we go. Stanford back in the College World Series for its third straight year. And you, you don't make runs like this. You don't win conference titles like the Cardinal had have over the past few years without getting terrific pitching, especially in the postseason. Stanford has gotten that. And one guy who has certainly been instrumental in helping to put it all together is our special guest on this special tree cast in his sixth year on the Stanford staff with Cardinal head coach, David Esker. He has coached the PAC 12 pitcher of the year. Now in three consecutive seasons, Brendan Beck, two years ago, Alex Williams last year and Quinn Matthews this year. And he's done a whale of a job once again, especially in this postseason. He is the Kathy Wolf assistant coach. He's Thomas Eager, and he joins us on this edition of the TreeCast. Thomas, thanks a bunch. Appreciate you taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. This is an honor. 
I love you it. bet. You bet. No, an honor to uh, be able to catch up with you. And, uh, and and my apologies for not being able to be at Sunken Diamond over the past weekend for the Super Regionals on the old anniversary trip. Did, did, did I miss anything? Any Anything of note? Any any dramatic games or, or epic performances? Hey. Anything like that happened over the weekend against Texas? Hey, we just like playing on Mondays. <laughs> I think that's our <laughs> game plan. Hey, every, anytime we get a chance to play a game on a Monday, we're going to. And uh, it always seems to be an elimination game, but uh, I don't think we'd want it any other way. Yeah, it's been certainly another dramatic ride, especially um, in the postseason. Stanford, of course, developing a penchant over the last couple of years, especially in continuing that trend this year of fighting out of elimination brackets and surviving and advancing. It happened two years ago. A little bit less drama in the, in the Supers in Lubbock a couple of years ago, but it happened again last year. How did this year's team pull off this specific run? I mean, you know, I, I think the longer I've been doing this as a pitching coach, I've, I've, I've learned a lot of things over time. And I think, you know, one thing that I always used to stress about when I was younger and for many years was, was always our team ERA, right? Like, oh, my gosh, we got to have a low team ERA. And I'll never forget, I made a joke uh, to Coach Esker when he dropped the fences uh, during the COVID year. And we're, we're going to start playing all of our games during daytime. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm okay with it, but my team ERA should never come up in the, at the end of the year meeting with me and you. And he goes, hey, Thomas, I don't care what your team ERA is as long as we win. And honestly, I, he was kind of joking half-heartedly, but I took it to heart. And I was like, you know what? As long as we win, it, it, it shouldn't matter, right? And I think, you know, what we were able to do and kind of my philosophy a little bit, especially with our young guys, is we got to keep putting them out there, especially if you believe in them, especially if you think they have good stuff early in the season, throughout the season. And Granted, they may fail, they may do, you know, they may have, may succeed, but I think what you're trying to do is you're really trying to reap the benefits of them, hopefully in the postseason, like they figure it out. And I think you look at some of the young guys that we, we threw out there, especially, you know, bring Nick Dugan, I mean, he, he succeeded. I mean, he, we wouldn't be here without him. And, uh, you know, we kept on him all year, even, you know, there was ups and downs. And I think, you know, you just kind of hope for that bright spot. And, you know, that bright spot happened to be in a regional, super regional for us. Yeah, Dugan, a day for the ages in that game to set up the uh, Monday uh, regional game. I'll get your further thoughts on the pitching staff as, as a whole uh, a bit later on in the show. But 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 certainly, you know, fighting out of elimination brackets, and and, and you've mentioned this, I was in the room um, during during the regional uh, postgame uh, press conferences, the one that you participated in as far as, as far as mapping out how things could potentially work out when you're fighting out of the elimination bracket, when you're trying to figure out you know, which arms are available potentially for how long matchups, all those sorts of things. When you're mapping out a staff plan, especially when you're trying to find out of an elimination bracket and to stay alive in the season, what sort of factors do you take into account? I mean, I think the biggest one is I always think hey, who can get us off to a good start. And then can we get a little stronger as the game goes on? Right. And I think, you know, and I'll go, I go back to Texas State. Um, when Texas State started their All-American, I think it was All-American closer. I don't know. He, he was a stud. When, but when they started them, I was like, who's going to finish it for them? You know what I mean? And you look at that and you're like, yeah, they're bringing the best guy to start the game, but who's going to finish it? And I, and I kind of learned a lesson going through these things. Like, it'd be nice to get stronger as the game goes. And, and what helps too when you have an offense like ours uh, with the power, it's like, you know, we're never out of a game, right? And so it's always when you map those things out, it's like, okay, who can give us the, the first four innings? And up one, down one, up two, down two, up three, down three. Then who comes in after that? Who comes in after that? And just start kind of going. And, you know, I, I think, you know, someone asked me earlier, it's like, hey, man, you know, it's crazy how you map these things out. And I said, 
honestly, sometimes it's a little easier because you, you already have a game plan. Like this guy's going three innings or two innings max. And then I don't want to see him, you know, line up th- you know, third time in a row or, Hey, I don't like him. The, I don't like him facing, you know, the three, four, five hitters. So you kind of already just plug and play certain parts, you know, during the regular season, you kind of let your starters ride it out a little bit, but here it's like, you just kind of make, you know, these decisions, like these guys face these guys, these guys are going to throw this part of the innings, these guys are going to throw these part. And it's like, put them in right when the matchups work. And it's a, uh, it's a little more defined, which I don't think it's easier because the guys have to perform, but at the same time, it, it's, it's, it's not as complicated. I think as people look, uh, make it out to me. Well, yeah, and and you and Eski have pushed the right buttons, and the guys have come through, especially in those situations, uh, the past three plus postseasons, um, and running. Uh, you mentioned letting the starters ride a little bit, and, and certainly, <laughs> you know, this was the big thing. Even you know, with how things ended in in the Monday night game at Sunken Diamond, but 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 certainly the conversation coming out of Game Two, Quinn Matthews coming in and throwing one hundred fifty six pitches now yeah. i remember jason young throwing 167 for stanford and omaha uh back at 99 156 nothing to sneeze at either uh, two things here one take me through your perspective of that night as it unfolded and two what did you make of some of the, the post-game conversation that that surrounded and some of the debate that surrounded 156 pitches you know i'll be honest with you um I'll start with the latter. Uh, when the game ended, you know, I made a comment to our, our pitchers. And, you know, I said, hey, guys, listen, you know, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be said about this game, you know, at the end of the day. And, you know, I, I would suggest that you just turn off your social media. Don't look at any of it. Because at the end of the day, the only people that know about our team are is our team. There's no one else, right? Um, and, and the best thing, you know, about America, right? You, you get freedom of speech and you get your opinions, which is awesome, you know, and you should have those and you should be able to voice your, your, your opinions. Um, but they don't know, right. They don't know. And I, and I always go back to the, I don't know if you watch Ted Lasso, but there's a good Ted Lasso one with, uh, Roy Kent, uh, defending Isaac when he went in the stands and fought somebody told this kind of story about just not knowing what's going on in people's lives. Right. And, and I kind of referenced that a little bit and, you know, for me, I, I haven't looked at social media since, to be honest with you. Like someone asked me, you know, I, I the first time I heard anything about it was I was in the coach's office and PTI came on and Michael Wilbon and yep. Tony. And I was like, oh, crap. And I was like, <laughs> I almost walked out because I'm like, man, this made this dude. And I was sitting there and I, I, I spun my chair and I turned my back to the TV. And I was like, OK, I'll just listen for a little bit because it's only a minute. I think they talk about each little segment. I'm like, mm-hmm. I can handle a minute. And. Honestly, like hearing what they said, it was like, man, it's almost like they kind of knew the background. It's like Quinn Matthews came back for his senior year for that moment. Uh, Quinn Matthews trains harder than anybody else that, I, you know, that I know for recovery and for everything else. You know, he's also pitched in, you know, he's pitched clear in the, you know, the 120s multiple times and he's done certain things. And, you know, when, when a guy like that turns down the money he did to come back, you look at him a little different. You know, I, I will tell you this, if he was a junior, I would have pulled him. Right. I would have pulled him 100 percent because but he kind of let it be known that, hey, this is his team and, and there, there's a bigger goal that he wants to, to go after. And, um, and you know, too, we had the, you know, his parents were involved, you know, his baseball people were involved. And it wasn't just a decision that, hey, I'm like, Quinn, you have to go. It's like he's telling me he, he's doing this. And if we if I take him out and we lose, he's never talking to me again. I mean, there's a lot of factors riding in on this decision. And. You know, I, w- I would be lying to you if I didn't have like a pit in my stomach the whole time, you know, starting in the eighth and ninth. I mean, I was, I was, it, w- it was uncomfortable for me. Um, but I also thought about, you know, the young man, Quinn, it's like, 
he's going to remember this for the rest of his life. And, you know, and, and, and he was showing his teammates something that he, he cared and, and he wanted it. And, and I had to trust him with it. And, uh, you know, Hey, it, it was, it was a difficult decision, but I, I don't regret it at all. And like I said, I haven't, I haven't looked at anything, you know, it's so funny. My wife, you know, I come home that night, my wife's sitting there and she's what an amazing game. Quinn's amazing. I'm like, yeah, I'm probably getting roasted right now. And she's like, for what? She goes, you were getting booed when you're going to take them out. <laughs> she goes, they love you. They love Quinn. And I'm like, and then they cheered you and you left them in. And I'm like, yeah, honey, that, that's the stadium. I go, the world is a little different spot. <laughs> and so I mean, she had no idea. And then she started going on and reading and I was like, I just don't want to hear about it. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I would do it again with Quinn, you know, um, I, he, he deserved it. He wanted it. And, you know, he, this is his team. So, um, I don't think he would want any other way. Yeah, the the work the clear workhorse for the staff uh, this year and really helped stabilize the staff last year as well. And and Matthews, uh, I, I saw somewhere on a message board that uh, maybe they should name the mound after Quinn Matthews yeah, they, after this. They so. should. Well, there was a running joke because he he go he looked at my numbers in college before and he's like, hey, you threw 126 innings your your junior year. I said, yeah, and he goes, I'm going to beat that. I'm like, well, we better make a run in the postseason. <laughs> and then he goes, hey, what's the most pitches you do in a game? And he goes, I go, I said, 148. He goes, I'm going to beat that. And I go, no, you're not. I go, I'll take you out of 147. <laughs> and I, I, he beat me on that. He's going to get me on everything when it's all he done. He got you. He got you. Yeah. Both, both counts. Um, yeah. Overall summary uh, of the pitching staff in, in your mind this year, which guys have progressed the most? Uh, questions that got answered along the way? Maybe questions that, that might still exist right now as y'all get ready to help on the plane and head to Omaha. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you look at the emergence of Nick Dugan, you look at, you know, Matt Scott kind of going through the ebb and flows a little bit, but still being somewhat consistent for us. Um, you look at Drew Dowd, the emergence of Drew Dowd, and, and you know, what he's kind of been able to do, falling into the role, is kind of like our stopper, closer, just kind of anytime we need to get out of a jam. And then, you know, you have Ryan Brewer back there. Honestly, he's been throwing the ball amazing until, you know, the, the, the this last series, which, you know, hopefully – you know, he, he was dealing with this a little bit in the beginning of the year. And, it, you know, and we kind of didn't pitch him for a little bit, trying to get his mind right, just to work on the side. And then kind of just let everything just just let it happen organically. And, um, you know, I've been talking with him and hopefully just use those tools that he, he used to get out of it the first time that he can sit there and just remain confident and, and, and trust his stuff. And I think, you know, Texas's approach against him was, was outstanding. They, they were forcing him to not take one strike, but two strikes. And, you know, I think it, looked, it got in his head a little bit. Right. And I think that's something that any pitcher just has to, you know, go through. And, you know, my the only thing I could relate to with him was, hey, when I played in professional baseball, the hardest thing was throwing to the opposing team's pitcher. Right. When I was in the National League. And so when you had to pitch to the pitcher, it was like it was hard because, you know, you know, he stinks and you're like, just throw strikes and get him out. But it's a lot harder to think when you when you have that mindset and you had to learn how to how to pitch to pitchers, to be honest with you. And kind of, you know, trick yourself and whatever you need. And that's kind of what I just told him. And we've talked about it. And I know he's going to get another stretch, you know, definitely going to need, uh, he's going to play a role for us moving forward. We just got to make sure that, you know, the mindset's right for him. But, you know, what, watching what Quinn's doing and Joey Dixon, I mean, gosh, man, I mean, we wouldn't be there without these two guys, that's for sure. And, you know, and just kind of waiting for that next guy to kind of step in and just, you know, help us as they move forward. You know, Panzer's going to Swiss Army Knives for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have, you know, can't forget about Ty Uber. You know, he's coming off a little arm surgery that he had over the summer. And, uh, you know, he's still coming back, but, you know, he still has good stuff. And, you know, I, I could see him making an impact as well. 
As we sit right here, mid-June, College World Series about to unfold, so the season not completely done yet. What's Braden Montgomery's future on, on the mound as, as things sit right now? I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. I forgot. It's, it's, the stock's rising. I'll tell you what. I mean, that kid is amazing. He, he's, he's amazing to work with, um, competitive. You know, he's a, he's a workaholic in a great way. Um, you know, we've had, you know, multiple discussions with him about pitching. We've made some pretty big changes just to get him in the zone more consistently. And, and I'll tell you what, man, he, he bought in and he was ready to go. He, he was ready to come in. He was coming in next and he's kind of earned that like towards, you know, kind of that part of the game when early on it was like, Hey, we'll throw him earlier in the game and kind of see what, you know, how, what transforms with him on the mound. But right now he's proven that, you know, he's throwing the ball at downward angle and um, I expect him to, to play role for us too, especially as we, you know, hopefully move deep into the college World series. A couple last things for you here as we start to uh, focus a bit more on the task ahead as y'all hop on the plane and head out to Omaha for the biggest stage that uh, college baseball has to offer a third straight trip to the College World Series. A fantastic sign. But 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 also, you know, ob- obviously you're the, you're the pitching coach, but you're also the recruiting coordinator as well for Stanford. You spent much of Tuesday out on the recruiting trail trying to get future <laughs> Cardinal um, in the mix. My good, and I believe you guys hit the road on Wednesday. My goodness, what's this week? What's it already been like for you? And what are the next few days for you before first pitch is thrown uh, on Saturday uh, early afternoon Omaha time shaping up for you? Yeah, I mean, hey, it's the recruiting never stops. You know, I, I learned that early on. You know, you, you gotta have your recruiting brain, you gotta have your, your, your game brain, right? And you gotta you gotta be a dad and, and husband brain, right? And so, um, you know, doing now eleven years, you, you learn how to just you know, time management, but then you also learn how to shut things off and, and turn things off and on whenever you go. And, you know, there was a big event that was hosted up here in Northern California that, um, you know, I'd normally go to if, if we weren't playing. And so, you know, I had to go up there and uh, check out a couple of guys I knew were, were going to be up there. And then I think, Hey, if I can just lay eyes on them and, and make my notes, then I know, cause you never know how long this, this world series thing runs into. And then um, I'm, at, I'm also going to be coaching for team USA this summer. Um, so, you know, that guy kind of runs right into after Omaha where I'm in carry for, for three weeks. Um, and so, you know, you just, you, you kind of like, Hey, if I get a chance to see him now and maybe I can see him when I'm done at the team USA, I can kind of see a little different, you know, if they got better or whatever, but, uh, that, that, that started there now starting tomorrow. It's, it's all about Wake Forest, right? It's, it's, you know, maybe early in the morning, I'll do some recruiting stuff and some admission stuff to get guys into school, but then. After that, it's, you know, it's 90%, hey, focus on Wake Forest, focus on our guys and getting ready prepared because, you know, going to Omaha, I, I know we've been blessed to go here three years in a row, but every time I've gone, I'm like, man, is this going to be my last, right? And so you, you never know when you're coming back and, and you can't take this place for granted. So you, you got to soak it in. You know, my whole family comes every time. And and so you you got you to gotta cherish these moments. And two, you, just, you don't want to let your players down by not being prepared. So, you know, the preparation for Wake Forest starts tomorrow. Yeah, any initial read on Wake? Obviously, they just steamrolled through everybody in the postseason, <laughs> a plus 59 run differential. Man, that's something special. And you also got Tennessee and the five-seed LSU on Stanford's side of the bracket as well. Any initial read on on the potential road ahead uh, for the first uh, few games in Omaha? Hey, I, I would say uh, good. Good. I like it. You know, I mean, that's something that we adopted as a pitching staff kind of early in the fall. Um you know, I, I don't know if you remember when um, – who's the quarterback for the uh, – Trevor Lawrence, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he threw how many – I think like four picks in a playoff game and they come back and win. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, I, I remember listening to his press conference and I'm like, man, 
And he talked about, I think it was like a Navy SEAL or something like that came and spoke to the team. And, you know, they were talking about, hey, when we're out there on a mission and we get a flat tire, instead of being like, darn it, it's like, good, make it tougher. Or, hey, we're not going to be, you know, you know, someone's not going to come save us here for another two hours. Good. Right. And he said one of the defensive players came up to him after the last interception he threw and goes, hey, good. And I was like, we're going to adopt that. We're going to adopt that. And so, you know, I saw the bracket and I'm like, hey, man, every team that goes Omaha is good. And, and, and they're all they're all talented teams. And for us, like, hey, if you're going to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, and by far, Wake Forest has shown they're the best all year. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to play them. Um, of course, I mean, they got, they got talented arms. Uh, they have a very you know potent offense and, and, and they do things really, really well. And they're very well coached. But in my head, it's like, hey, we've been here three years now and. And, you know, we haven't had the success that we've wanted. And like I told Coach Esker, you know, I said, hey, maybe this team will finally relax in Omaha. You know, I, I think this team was a little stressed all year to get to Omaha. And now that we got it, maybe they can just, like, play carefree. And I think if we do that, I'll take our chances against anybody. Um, now, if you ask my nine-year-old son, I don't think he knew we were playing Wake Forest because we we're sitting. me and Coach Esker were sitting on the field celebrating. He comes up to me and he's like, hey, Dad. I really hope Wake Forest loses. I go, why? And he goes, so you don't have to play him. And, and he looks at him and goes, Trey, uh, we're playing the first game. And he puts his hands on his hand. He's like, shoot. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so, I mean. Dreams dashed already. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, hey, I, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how our team rises. And, and you know, I, I, I take our guys against anybody. They're a competitive bunch. And, you know, these players that, you know, I've, being able to recruit and you get to know them at a, you know, such a young age and their families, you're just, you're just excited to, to have this journey with them and, and watch these guys compete at the highest level. Yeah. Last thing I've got for you here. And, and, you know, I've, I've brought this up before uh, in 2020, of course, Stanford finished that shortened season at five and 11. And David Esker told me on the tree cast in May of that year that he had the personnel to compete for national championships already in the program. 21 Omaha. 22 Omaha, 23 Omaha. What does this past three-year run, especially when you look at how things were starting off in 2020, what does that say about this program and about these guys specifically in particular? We're bringing in the right guys. I mean, I, I think that's the high character guys from, you know, all walks of life. And I think the, the, one, the one common denominator, because they're all so different, they're all so different. But the one common denominator is they're some of the most highly competitive people I've ever been around. And I always say this, you know, on the recruiting side, and, and I deal with admissions to, you know, walk them through the process. You know, when you're when you're going through this and what you ask these young men to do in high school and maybe some sacrifices they have to do in high school, you know, they learn time management and and, and what's asked them to get into Stanford, it it, it I, I think it just shows what kind of character they have as far as competitiveness. And you bring that here and then you give them a platform where they can be themselves. Right. It, it, Coach Esker, I think the culture he's created here is where just, Hey, everybody's accepted, be who you are, you know, and, and enjoy the moment. Uh, I think you give those guys kind of that, that platform where they can just kind of almost just, you know, let their wings fly and just kind of be themselves and, and in two, but they're highly competitive people. I think it just feeds off each other. And, you know, we've had the right core and, and, you know, I, I always leave the coach after I think, you know, the culture that he sets here and gives these guys the freedom that they have. Um, you know, I, I think he does a phenomenal job and, and, you know, with the guys that we bring in, they, they understand it. It's, it's not about, you know, the name on the, uh, the back of the Jersey. It's always about the name on the front. And, you know, 
and getting back to where we went to because, you know, they'll be the first to tell you, hey, we haven't won a national championship since 88, right? They're the first ones. I mean, shoot, that's why they brought back the, the stirrups. Honestly, they were looking <laughs> at a picture that we had in the training room. And I don't know, I think it was Quinn, Carter Graham, a couple other guys, maybe Eddie or something. And they're like, they haven't won it since 88 and they had stirrups on. So maybe we should, maybe we should adopt the stirrups and see if we can make a run. And, <laughs> and so that's where the stirrups came about. And, you know, for guys to know the history and stuff like that, it just shows you how much they care about this program. Yeah, it's been so much fun to watch once again this year. Can't wait to see how it all shakes out starting at 11 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Omaha time on Saturday when Stanford takes on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons and then moves on, hopefully, to the National Championship Series. And, hey, who knows? Maybe they're the ones hoisting the big trophy at the very end of it all. Thomas Eager, the Kathy Wolf assistant coach on this episode of the tree cast thomas thanks a bunch really appreciate you taking the time out especially this week can't wait to see how it all unfolds we'll talk again soon best of luck in omaha hey love it troy i love what you do and thanks for having me on thank you so much our thanks again to thomas eager uh really appreciate him taking the time out especially during this super hectic week play on monday hop on a plane wednesday morning and you get ready uh for the college world series and the wake forest demon deacons on Saturday, and uh, uh, really, really, really intriguing thoughts from Thomas along the way. <laughs> he was worried about what the PTI guys might thought might have thought about 156 pitches. I wasn't. I I knew what Michael Wilbon was going to say even before he said it. I knew he'd be all over it and be all about it because <laughs> that's just the old school kind of guy uh, that Wilbon is. And Corn Kornheiser was into it too. So I once I saw that 156 pitches was on the rundown. Uh, for for PTI on Monday, <laughs> I, I pretty much knew how how that was gonna go. I I I my you know I, I knew there was gonna be a more positive thing uh, than perhaps Thomas Egert might have thought of coming into it. But uh, really, a lot of intriguing stuff from Thomas Eager on the Quinn Matthews situation. If Quinn had been a junior, he might have pulled him, and about the the discomfort that Thomas himself. Um, was feeling uh, as that night went along, and especially um, in that ninth inning. Uh, the Ryan Bruno and the situation with him, that's certainly going to be bear watching. Uh, we've seen Bruno at his best. We've seen Ryan Bruno at his not-so-finest hours, sometimes at critical points. Well, I guess they're all at critical points with his role, but we've seen both sides of Ryan Bruno so far this year. In his last couple of outings, even though he got squeezed, I think, on that first pitch he threw, that was called ball one uh, in his lone, out, in his lone uh, batter face against Texas in game three of that Super Regional. Um, you know, maybe the last couple of outings not quite going according to how Bruno would obviously have liked both times against the Longhorns. And, and look, as Thomas said, hey, credit the Longhorns approach, especially in game one. What was the stat or in game, in game one? What was the stat? Uh, that ESPN put up when Bruno came in the game uh, in game three about how Bruno threw 26 pitches and the Longhorns only swung one time. So so credit credit Texas's approach, but certainly uh, the Ryan Bruno and which Bruno that Stanford gets in Omaha uh, will we'll certainly, I, I think, tell a bit of the story uh, for how the Cardinal fare in Omaha. And, and intriguing... A, that Thomas Eager brought up the stirrups. I hadn't even thought of that, and I hadn't really noticed that. Uh, that that's, that's, that's intriguing stuff. Uh, but also him noting that, hey, you know what? He hopes this team relaxes 
in Omaha. There's a lot of pressure on this team up to this point. Stanford was picked to win the Pac-12. Certainly their share of accolades with the Pac-12 Player of the Year and Alberto Rios, what a story he's been, coming from almost literally out of nowhere to have a season for the ages. The Pac-12 Pitcher of the Year, Quinn Matthews. The Pac-12 Coach of the Year, David Esker. Fighting through an always difficult Pac-12 slate and emerging as the regular season champions. Weren't quite able to have that same success uh, down in uh, down, down in Phoenix and in, in Scottsdale in the uh, Pac-12 tournament. But a lot of eyes have been on Stanford all year long, and maybe at some points they haven't exactly enjoyed the ride and have been a little bit tense at times along the way. So eager noting that he hopes they relax a little bit in Omaha. That'll bear watching as well. And you'll, you'll clearly be able to tell. And look, I mean, sometimes... Sometimes you can tell when teams just are just going through the motions and not exactly having a lot of fun. The Golden State Warriors didn't seem to particularly have a fun season this year, right? But I don't quite get that sense with Stanford baseball this year because they've certainly had some fantastic moments along the way, right? Walk-offs, big grand slams, uh, other terrific moments, wild and wacky Games. You go to that opening series against Cal State Thornton, which Stanford won in extra innings, and it was what, like 21 <laughs> 19? That was, that was absolutely bonkers. But it's all led to this. And Stanford with a chance to perhaps avenge a couple of things. Their last two trips to Omaha didn't end the way they wanted it to. We talked about how things ended in 2021. Last year, just two games. The pitching just wasn't there for the Cardinal in Omaha last year. Can they put it all together in a very tough half of the bracket? I like Stanford's chances. We'll see. We'll start finding things out on Saturday. Looking forward to it. As always, you're welcome and encouraged to react to anything you hear on the TreeCast. The best thing to do is to hit me up on Twitter with the hashtag TreeCast. That's the best way to help ensure that uh, I see what you have on your mind with Stanford Athletics, with Stanford Baseball, anything you want to talk about. Man, football will be here before we know it. we got Pac-12 Football Media Day coming up July 21st. <laughs> that is literally just around the corner. But anything you heard on, on, on this show, we certainly welcome and encourage uh, the interaction via Twitter with the hashtag TreeCast. You want to give me the follow on Twitter, I certainly am not ever mad at that either. Uh, at Troy Clarity, my last misspelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. And let's see what happens. Can't Stanford, who has come close on so many occasions since their last national championship in baseball in 1988, I think back to those, those great teams of the early 2000s as well, as well, who had some real close calls and some heartbreakers to, to, to end their seasons. Those were great teams. It's a pretty good team too. Can they cash in and get it done? Looking forward to finding out. Can't wait. We will talk to you next time on the TreeCast, whenever that time might be. And uh, hey, as mentioned, fall will be here before we know it, and I'm very excited about uh, some uh, things that could potentially be uh, in the fold uh, for the fall. Already can't wait. Should be fun. Should be fun. Thanks again to our special guest, Thomas Eager, the Kathy Wolf assistant coach for Stanford Baseball. Really enjoyed catching up with him. 
Thanks to the Stanford Baseball support staff, Tyler Guyvet, the uh, Sports Information Director for Stanford Baseball, and best of luck uh, to the squad in Omaha. And, of course, the biggest thanks out to you for checking us out on the show. Thanks for being with us here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity, on the Believe Network, and presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.